Hey, I'm Gina Keeping, ex-classroom teacher turned mindset and business mentor. Not too long ago, overwhelm and stress was my norm. Now, I have created a life where I help entrepreneurial women create an unstoppable mindset and teach them how to grow and scale their own businesses, all while getting their own gifts out to the world and creating an impact. Welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast, where each week I bring you an inspiring person or message where we talk about all things life and business related, where our conversations are real, the information is inspiring, we have a splash of fun, we have lots of laughs, and we dive into life lessons and deep conversations about all of the things. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, welcome back, friends, to another episode of the Keeping It Real podcast. Today, I have such a cool person on the show, and I cannot wait to dive into all the topics that we're going to. You're in for a treat today. But for those of you who don't know her today, we have Dee Reese on the show. She is one of my favorite people. You're going to love what she has to say. She is also the girl on my football team that I can say, run, go catch the ball. <laughs> and she will come down with it every freaking time. Um, she's such an inspiration. And I just admire her dedication, her work ethic. And we're going to talk all about that in a second. But welcome to the show, D. Thank you for having me. So excited. I have too. I'm pumped. And uh, we only have an hour today. And I'm like, I don't know how we're going to get all this in. (laughs) (laughs) Sequel. I know. So for those of you who don't know you, would you mind just taking a moment and telling our listeners who you are, what you do, and just a little bit about yourself? Uh, Yeah, no no worries at all. Um, I basically grew up on a farm. I was a farmer since the time I could basically walk. So born in farming, kind of always grew up working hard, knowing what hard work is, true hard work. Um, that kind of led me into sports and being a little more competitive. Uh, pretty much went into rugby then. I played every sport, but rugby was the one that really stuck. Um, succeeded in that very uh, quickly and accelerated in that. Uh, went to play some men's sports with rugby, uh, captained some men's teams, went to Team Canada after that, got a rugby scholarship to... Acadia, um, (laughs) which in turn I gave up, quit to follow my passion, which was firefighting. So then I went to firefighting school, uh, gave all that whole dream up, uh, chased around some rescue contracts, did some industrial rescue, uh, traveled a lot during that time as well. Uh, Then I got married at a very young age, um, got destroyed at a very young age as well. Uh, Part of my triumph is being destroyed for sure and rebuilding myself from there. But uh, family has always been super, super close to me and my main support system. Uh, Recovering from that, they've always helped me. And from there, I (laughs) rebuilding myself kind of looks like finding my dream in firefighting, uh, getting in with the city of uh, St. John's Regional Fire Department, um, having basically an open a relationship structure for a couple of years of my life and learning a lot about people, learning how to love people, learning how to love myself again through that. And yeah, here, here I am uh, living with a, you know, a partner who I adore my best friend and have my dream job and uh, started doing some life coaching. I'm now in uh, Rhodes college uh, for life coaching. 
Uh, I also coach at a local gym here in the city, uh, Islander Athletics, uh, which I now manage. Um, so yeah, it's it's looking up, uh, <laughs> looking up. A lot of things <laughs> have gone on in my 28 years on this earth, but uh, I can't wait to see what's next. Oh my goodness. Like there's so many things I want to dive into there. And there's a, a couple of things there. I didn't know. I didn't know you had a scholarship and I didn't know that you gave that up. Yeah. I kind of don't really talk about it. Uh, it's kind of a, my parents are, I think still a little sour to this day. Uh, Cause I spent so many years working towards that goal and to just kind of give it up and give up such a free education. It was a full ride scholarship. So uh, to give up a free education is kind of absurd to some, but for me, it, it it was a no-brainer to go to firefighting. Okay, so I want to dive into that because yeah. I feel and and we weren't planning on going here, but this is how it goes, right? Yeah. You say something I'm like, "Oh, no I can't worries. let that go," <laughs> but I guarantee you, there are some listeners, probably a lot of listeners, who have maybe set a path out for themselves, been determined to go after it, did all the things, checked all the boxes, got the thing, and once they got the thing, they realized, "Wait a minute, it's not the thing." A lot of people stay there, stay stuck, stay in that dream that they thought they wanted. How did you navigate that? Like, how did you go, okay, what I want is more important than what other people think of me? Like, what what gave you the tools to walk away from that? Because I don't think that's a failure at all. I think that's freaking amazing. Yeah, no, I I personally don't view it as a failure either. I think um, that was a time in my life where, I had such a plan from a very young age, a very structured plan. I was going to own a house by 20. I was going to be married by 21. I was going to have all these things to succeed in. And rugby was the same for me. Um, So that was just kind of thrown into the plan because I was very uh, shockingly good at rugby. I didn't plan on it. I just went to a tryout. I was good. A year later, I was on, you know, Team Canada. So like it was, it was a very fast motion thing for me that I never really had time to plan or even think about if it was truly what I wanted. So I got thrown into it and the plan obviously didn't turn out as the plan, but I didn't really care at that point in my, I was trying to move away from plans at that point in my life. So I think it was just listening to your gut feeling, honestly, of firefighting was what I've always wanted to do since I was five. So that gut feeling took over my plan, which I don't regret at all to this day. That is incredible. And it's so funny that you said getting away from plans, because I think we've been taught to make a plan. Like you're 18. What are you doing next? And I think there's something to be said about having that freedom in between. I mean, at the age of 18, you don't know what you really want. Like you need some time to navigate it and to just breathe. So I think that's really cool. And the fact that you went back and you fulfilled a lifetime dream that you knew you wanted, Mm -hmm. but that journey couldn't have been easy either. No, um, firefighting for me also is kind of a, a one-off actually. I went to a, a women's firefighting recruitment camp here in the summer. Uh, I can't even remember how long ago it was, almost 10 years ago, I guess. Um, went there, basically hung out with all these girls for a day and they showed us like what firefighting would be like, even though I already kind of knew. Um, after that, I messaged my coach that, up at Acadia, the rugby coach, and basically said, I'm quitting, I'm applying to firefighting school. <laughs> Applied to firefighting school that basically week. 
Um, yeah, and it was history from there. I can't even remember the question that you asked me now. Oh, no, just it, flashing it, back. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love when this happens. It's great. But I, I do think that's super important to talk about is that, yeah, you you know, and I think sometimes we try to plan away that knowing, hoping that if we had the perfect plan, that we'll forget about the thing that's burning in our belly, but it always comes back. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was also like uh, with the scholarship, like I was doing kinesiology, which I love sports. I'm a very, you know, sport oriented person. I love physicalities of people and learning people's bodies, um, but it wasn't a passion. I didn't feel like I could really like help people. And that was the main there's always this feeling inside of me of like trying to help people. And I knew that I wouldn't be satisfied with kinesiology for that path of life. It would yeah. never satisfy me or rugby for that matter. I was not helping anyone. I was hurting people in rugby. Really. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opposite. <laughs> well, with kinesiology, you could hurt them and then help them. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah. That's, that's a good business plan there. <laughs> I'll take your legs out, then help you fix them. <laughs> no, that's that's so great. And there's a couple of things that I do want to come back to um, that you said in your introduction. But one of the things that we decided we wanted to chat about, which I admire you so much about, is that you've done several bodybuilding shows and you have a goal to deconstruct the world in terms of how it's judged and the whole view around it. I just want to dive into that because I think it's so important, especially um, actually I'm going to, I'm going to stop and not put my spin on it, but I want you to just <laughs> have that or like, what do you want to say about the body, the bodybuilding oh, world that you are an active participant in? God, this could take a full hour, honestly. Um, <laughs> it took, um, so this little journey I went on started in 2018 uh, I've always kind of had in the back of my mind, probably five years prior to that, that like I was interested in bodybuilding, but not for the same reason that I actually ended up competing in it for. I was always competitive and I always just, you know, I like to sculpt my body. I started working out from a young age. So that was kind of the initial drive. But when I started coming out actually and saw how black and white the world was and how that also translated to sport, that's kind of where that that fire was lit in me for to actually do a bodybuilding show. So like women are always judged on their appearance and like bodybuilding is, is no different. That is what you're there for. And even the, the men's categories, you're there to be judged on your body. That's just the understanding of it. Um, but the rules aren't the same for men and women in bodybuilding. Uh, the hair, makeup, nails, um, open hands for femininity, uh, don't apply to the men's category. There's actually no set of appearance rules for the men. As long as they show up in, you know, their little, uh, boycott shorts, like that's, that's the only requirement for them. Um, so basically not noticing what, uh, I didn't do in the show was kind of my objective. So I wanted to basically go into the show and not do any of the rules that were set up for me and just see if, the judges or anyone in the audience could notice the difference. So to basically just compete on the same level as the competitors, which were mostly, uh, you know, not, not all natural throughout the years, we'll say. Um, but to me, it was just finding my own natural limit. So doing it, you know, clean and doing it right. I wanted to do, I wanted to see my actual limits of my body and then show up without my hair and nails, makeup done, uh, close my fists, instead of opening my hands, because that's just, you know, that's how I see 
bodybuilding. I've, I want it to close my fist. So I close my fist. Um, but other than that, like the, the rules that were set out for the men and the women were just so different that I, I just couldn't, uh, stand the thought of it that no one's ever challenged it or asked a question on it. And I noticed in my first show that when I showed up backstage, everyone immediately noticed. I thought no one would notice, but everyone immediately noticed that I was doing everything not to the judge's standard and that I was there to, to mess shit up that day. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. Okay. You're getting me fired up now. because It's, <laughs> it's so true. And obviously I've never been in a bodybuilding competition, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I am, I want to come back to the black and white world that you talked about, but it's true. Women are held at a different standard. So when you started pushing the norm on this and, and let me just paint the picture for the, Mm -hmm. our listeners, like six weeks out, your body was naturally in competition form. And I know that because Dwayne took the picture. (laughs) So like, we're not talking about like your body wasn't um, up to standard with competition. Like your body was in peak form. You did it naturally, Mm -hmm. um, but you actually were criticized really, I guess that's the appropriate word based on the fact that you didn't do the feminine pieces. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not the, only criticized, but you lost points. And yes. so talk a little bit about that. Like what pushback did you get? <laughs> the, um, so the 2018 show, uh, was a bit bigger. It was pre COVID time. So, uh, had a lot of competition, got a lot of eyes on me. Uh, kind of started to make my point, but, uh, didn't satisfy my need, uh, for that show. I wanted to take it to another stage. I want to show a few, you know, more hundred people, meet a few more athletes, maybe change their mind on the rules and the standards. So I decided to go again. Um, and just this past year, actually with my partner, Danielle, who also competed, uh, it was mainly because she wanted to compete that I tried this <laughs> one, but I, it was still, the hunger was still there to prove it. Um, but basically when you do all the things, when you don't do all the things that they want you to do, your hair, makeup, nails, keep your hands open because it displays femininity and poise, um, you lose points. So this COVID show, I only had one other competitor in the physique category and in the open category, there's a natural and then there's an open and I competed in the open one as well, because why not? I put in all that work, uh, open is technically not drug tested. So you can use a substance and, and, and it be okay and not, uh, not any detriment to your points. So I entered the open show just for you know, shits and giggles, really, <laughs> because why not? And I was actually the only one in the open show during COVID. So um, the card that you get, the scorecard, basically they had zeros on it all for me because I didn't do anything that they did that they wanted me to do. But also my bikini... Um, I wanted to wear men's bikinis, uh, like the boy, the boy cut shorts. Cause that's just what I'm most comfortable in. It's what I wear on a day-to-day basis is boy cut short, shorts. So I wanted to wear those on stage. Um, they literally told me that I would be disqualified and not even allowed to step on stage if I were to just show up in them. So backup plan, I wanted to, to get up on stage. I put on the, the bikini bottoms and did the whole prance up on stage in a bikini, very uncomfortable. Um, but it was more so, uh, the fact that like, I couldn't, after all that work, they would literally wouldn't let me up on stage that really like lit a fire in me. 
So the scorecard that day basically got sent back to like the head federation of all zeros because I didn't do anything that they asked me to do. And I was actually not going to even go to the second show because uh, I just wanted to go home to my family actually after the first one because natural show was first. Right. And after that one, I made my point and I was like, okay, I'm going to take off. And the head judge was like, you're the only one in the next open category. Like if you stay, like you'll get a trophy. And I was just like, I don't give a shit about a trophy. Like, that's not why I'm like, here. That's not why I'm here. But then I thought about it for a second. I was like, wait, if I stay, the judges head federation, like whoever, I don't even know the uh, governing federation, will get a scorecard that has all zeros on it. So basically when they get that card, they're going to be like, how did this person win this category with all zeros? So I was just like, that, that would make the point. Right. <laughs> they would have to actually acknowledge me then. They'd be like, oh, D. Reese, all zeros won the open category in Newfoundland. Like, who's this? Like, how did that happen? Yeah. So and I hopefully look into it. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's just, so and <laughs> it, it almost reminds me of that big volleyball thing that happened uh, with the girls. Yes. They had to wear something, but the men could wear what they want. Like, yeah. I think it's time for this, for this shit to stop happening. And like, you trained your ass off for this. It doesn't. Yes. And, and once again, I'm not a expert in this field. You are, but yeah realistically what you wear, your hair, your makeup, that's not what makes a competition. I could see if you're in a modeling thing, but like this is a bodybuilding competition where you are focusing on sculpting your body. Yeah. What does your hair and makeup and open and closed fist have to do with it? If a man don't have to do it, why do a woman have to do it <laughs> yeah. just because it appeases the audience and it looks feminine. Yeah. When you, especially the, the physique category, like is, uh, kind of the farthest away from all the rules, like the figure categories and stuff, they practice hair flipping, flipping their hair for hours on end. Like posing practice consists of flipping your hair. And when you flip your hair, you basically cover up your entire back muscles. It's not about your back or the muscles. It's about your butt. Like basically it's the, you, you pose so that your hair is covering up your full back, hiding all of your muscles and it's just your glutes. That is a, that is a pose in the figure category. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, what changes would you like to see in the bodybuilding world? Cause for you, I mean, it's a passion to push your norms, what's possible for you. It's a passion for you to see what you can get your, your, your natural physique to. So as a competitor, what would you like to see? Um, I'm not ever like sports have rules for a reason and they have a history for a reason. Like they're, I, it's not to change uh, the rules of the sport. It's to change the judging criteria that like every single day, like I always have to prove my femininity. I just want the judges to see that when they say femininity in the, in the rules, like there's a set of rules. I should have actually brought that with me. That's okay. um, but I want them to see that fem when they say that they're judging on femininity, like femininity isn't just one criteria. Like exactly. I pride myself on being, a pride, a proud woman. Like I have, I have no desire to be anything else. I am a proud woman. And I like my femininity is very, very different than other females. And I showcase okay. it differently. Exactly. Like and, <laughs> that's and, all I want. Oh, this is getting me fired <laughs> up. Because, and I think this is a thing, like, especially in today's day and age, like femininity is different for every person. And mm -hmm. I think if you're going to judge that, then you have to make it or appreciate that there's different forms of femininity, you know, it, you know, and I think 
everything else is changing. I think this has got to be the next thing that changes too. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, 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 I'm so glad that you are pushing this and I really hope that maybe even this podcast helps, you know, change the language in which we talk about it and just change, mm-hmm. like you say, the criteria. And we're not saying like, we're both athletes. We're not saying that there can't be mm-hmm. rules. We understand that piece, but it's just, it, it can't be black and white anymore. Yeah. And the, the uh, commercialism of the sport too, it, it was uh, more and more alarming the more that I was there and around it. Um, so like the hair and jewelry that the girls pay for this is thousands of dollars. It's insane. The amount of uh, the bikinis are thousands of dollars and you have to wear a different bikini every show. You will be judged down, scored down, lose points. If you wear the same bikini to two different shows. So my second show, I wore what? the same bikini as I did my first time. Yeah. So like I was going to, we're get, not talking uh, about a Walmart bikini here. No, <laughs> this is like thousands of dollars. So like I didn't bejewel my bikini or anything like that and uh, wore it for the first show. Just had like a fire department logo. on. I'm a little titty. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. On yes, this. you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then <laughs> the second show, I was just like, you know what? Like I'm going to wear the exact, I was going to do up a, a different one with like the gym logo or something on it. And I was just like, no, I'm going to wear the same one because they score me down on that. And to make a point that like, I don't have to spend money on something. You're judging me on my body. I'm here to be judged on my body, my work, my dedication to myself. So like, I'm here for me. Let me be me and yeah. just take the points that I'm making during this production to you. I don't care what you score me, yeah. but also like take the point that like these points that you're taking away from me, like look at my body compared to hers. Yeah. Just side for side, pound for pound, work for work, hour for hour. Like we measure up. She's wearing a bejeweled bikini, some hair, makeup, jewelry. She spent thousands of dollars, you know, extra to be up here on stage. I spent nothing to be around on stage. Yeah. We look the pretty damn similar. <laughs> yeah. That well, I can't even get my mind around it. And like the thing is, is like the for the piece of competition, like you are following the rules, you're doing the work. You're not getting up on stage and like expecting like, Oh yeah, just give me a medal. Like you're, you're working your ass off and then stepping up on the stage. Yeah. And then I don't care about any medals. (laughs) No, but it's, it's just the principle in my opinion, like you're, you know, you're, you're losing marks based on vanity essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, I I'm, and I'm so glad that you're breaking the norm on this. But I and I want to kind of go back because it'll lead into the next thing that I want to talk to you about. But you made a comment that when you were coming out, you started to realize that the world was black and white. Can you dive into that a little bit deeper for me? Yeah, it's kind of something that I'm still trying to figure out myself. I don't think anyone fully ever comes out like I am out to the world, but um, the the amount that we try to, the more layers that we take off of ourselves, the more we uh, start to discover uh, different parts of ourselves. And I've explored a lot of different parts of myself over the last five years, especially since my divorce. Um, what was the question? The coming out? You want to? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Cause into- I want to kind of dive into, you know, what it was like to come out and yeah. even like the good response, a bad response but also how like you saw the world as black and white, how people are black and white in terms of their acceptance too. Yeah. I think the main thing, uh, the idea I have for this question that keeps popping up in my mind that like 
the acceptance piece of being gay, queer, uh, just out in the world, uh, comes from like the very narrow structure of what society deems as relationships. So basically like how sex, love relationships are all still very black and white. And if you're not black and white, uh, for example, me, like I've practiced open relationships for the last, you know, five, uh, five ish years of my life. Um, you, you are a bit of a, a unicorn. You're a bit, you're on, you're on the outside still. So even me being out queer, proud, confident in myself, uh, I still experience like a bit of uh, social pushback based on my choice of relationships, not who I'm dating or who I'm attracted to. Like the acceptance piece of being attracted to females for me has been very easy, honestly. Like when I came out, there isn't really much of a coming out story for me. I came out to my parents at Jungle Gyms <laughs> and they laughed at me and basically said like, no, you're not. And I'm like, eh, yeah, I have a girlfriend for the last two years. So that was my coming out story. Were and they uh, accepting? Like, did they support you? Yeah. Yeah. Like I have a sibling who is also queer. So like they, I had a path and basically I just had to follow the path. Um, but I actually kept myself in the closet for geez, three. I knew I was gay for a very long time, but uh, my parents did have a hard time with my first sibling that did come out and there was a lot of weight on them for that. So I, I kept the weight off them and kept myself in a closet for a long time too. Um, don't regret any of that. Honestly, I think the timing of it all was right because I wanted to be, um, very sure and made sure I loved myself as who I was before I came out to them. I didn't want to come out to them and not be in love with myself. Um, cause that would put even more pressure on them. I needed to be very sure in, in who I was and, uh, how I saw the world going forward. So my coming out story was honestly very easy. I'm very blessed and very grateful that it was uh, like that for me. But uh, the coming out story from my sex and relationships over the last five years is kind of what I'm more so focused on now. I see that as kind of my coming out story is to like teach people the social acceptance of uh, I don't fit in this box of being a hetero you know, straight person. Um, but I also don't fit in this box of having one partner, one, one love, one love, one relationship that works for me. Uh, I love the idea of having, you know, building a relationship based off of your needs. That is super powerful. Holy <laughs> shit. Okay. So I feel like I need an education as well. So, um, mm-hmm. and I hope our listeners can listen to this too. And I love that you're paving the way. Um, and talking about this. So, uh, when you say an open relationship, do you mind going a little bit deeper and what that yeah. means for you? Yeah. Um, so right now, uh, we're, I have a partner for the last two years. Um, we're just my best friend. We're very, very happy together. It's you guys are the cutest. I love <laughs> you guys so disgusting. much. <laughs> um, but, um, she, uh, God love her. She is just literally the most accepting person to who I am and how I've uh, gotten to where I am today. And the the communicator that I am and the lover that I am has been built off of open relationships since my divorce. So after my divorce, I um, kind of, I was a shell of a person, honestly, I needed to, to love life again, be, you know, relearn how to communicate, how to be myself, how to 
how to love again, if I'll ever love again. There was a lot of doubts in my mind. And uh, I turned to just basically trying to connect with the world again. And I did that through people and not necessarily through um, like just pure sex or um, intimacy. It was more so having the option to be open to the connections that present themselves. So if someone came along that I was, you know, um, curious about um, emotionally, intimately, physically, I allowed myself to do that. So there was no um, physical barriers to connection. And that's really what I honestly think rebuilt me from the bottom up was that I let every single person that came into my life, however, I was intrigued by them happen naturally. And the people around me had some, you know, some worries, I think, and also some uh, jealousies that I could be that communicative and that um, open to all possibilities. It was kind of like a, I hate the metaphor, have your cake and eat it too, but that the jealousy factor that comes with the regular um, structure of, you know, a relationship, like people are used to just having one-on-one relationships. Uh, It's hard for people to understand that you can love multiple people at once. It's not all in the same way. I might love you physically. I might love you intimately. I might love you emotionally, but being open to that over the five years kind of led me, you know, down some dark paths at times too. There is a, there is a saturation level and um, a draining level when you give your energy to so many people at a time, it can drain you. And especially where I wasn't already at a foundation, I had to find my limits within uh, trying to explore myself, trying to understand people together, try to understand what different types of love mean. Yeah. Um, what type of love is you know right for me. So it was draining at times, but ultimately it led me to the most rebuilding relationships I've ever, I owe my life to the people that I've met over the last five years. And I wouldn't have met them if I wasn't open to the possibility and the vulnerability of being just open to everything. It was more so the vulnerability of just whatever comes my way, say yes to it. Wow. You don't know. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Like that, that's huge. I'm just trying to wrap my head around. Like, it's a lot. Yeah. I could talk about, and I'm not even sure if I'm explaining this clearly. I wasn't really prepared. To kind of, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've dived into that. It's something yeah. that's always on my mind, but But I think it's really important to hammer home that what is working for one person or the majority of the population doesn't mean that it's the right thing for everybody, you know? And I think that you have to navigate this world in a way that feels good for you. And I think that's the most important thing. But as a society, um, you know, there are still stigmas, there are still judgments, um, regardless of what path that you go down. And what advice would you give our listeners to help them navigate the people that they love who might have a different relationship than them? Um, don't see it as a danger. There's nothing about loving that is dangerous. Yes, it's vulnerable. Yes, it's scary. There is no danger with loving someone in any capacity, whether it's all physical whether it's only physical, that's fine. Whether it's only emotionally and it's a platonic relationship, that's fine. Um, but vulnerability is our key to living and to be actually seen like for who you are and what you want, what you desire. Um, that's 
how that's your key to being loved. That's your key to being happy. And yes, it's risky, but it's not dangerous. Um, our imagination and what we're able to, to imagine for ourselves uh, is responsible for love to actually like truly love yourself and to love other people. Our imagination is the key for that. And if you can imagine it, if you can imagine a, a healthy relationship with these rules or these standards, these boundaries, then you can make that happen. You just have to work on, you know, your communication, your jealousy, your, you have to control the, the things that are scary about that set of rules or boundaries to you. And ultimately that's just mastering your own emotions. And that's who isn't that good for Exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And I think too, you, you nailed it. It's like this vulnerability piece of allowing yourself to want something that may be different from somebody else. And that's yep. in any area of life, not just necessarily relationships, but I feel that, um, and I've said this on the podcast before, but I feel like we live in a cookie cutter world where everyone's expected to follow suit and do the same thing. And then when somebody goes, Oh, wait a minute. And they just step back and they look at themselves and they do the inner work. Like you've done a lot of rebuilding um, and I think sometimes having the breakdown, having the terrible thing that knocks you on your ass, even mm -hmm. though that doesn't have to happen to have a breakthrough. But I think for both of us, we've had that and mm -hmm. it's allowed us a different perspective to look inwards instead of outwards. And Absolutely. I think as a society, if we lean with that, if we lean with vulnerability, with communication, like half of the problems in our world and society is because of lack of communication. Absolutely. And understanding, like if you can just stop and listen and communicate and realize that not everything is about you, then you can learn so much about people in your life. And, mm -hmm. you know, my dad was gay and I saw how many years he suppressed who he was and he never had the platform. And I realized that things were very different back then but he didn't have a platform where he could be vulnerable, where he could share mm -hmm. who he was or be open about who he loved. And yeah. I think as a society, we need to do better. We need to stop looking at what we are living and expecting everyone around us to be the same. Cause we're not like, and what one person wants is okay for it to be different than what you want, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's no two people that are the same. And that's why I've loved meeting so many different people in so many emotional and you know loving capacities. Is that like I love I can look at side by side two different relationships that I've had simultaneously at the same time. I look at one of the ladies and I love her for this one specific reason or this one specific uh set of unique traits that you know she has but right next to her I, I love this lady for a different reason so it's not it, it doesn't need to be a competition or a, a, a scorecard <laughs> we keep talking about scorecards over this podcast <laughs> it's, it's not about the score like stop stop trying to score everything <laughs> uh, you know um, what there's your mic drop moment. Get rid of the fucking scorecard. <laughs> I love what you said about the like communication literally is the way that our world goes around. And everyone thinks that they are bad communicators. They're like, oh, like, I don't know how to communicate that. There's so many different ways to communicate. You can communicate by not reacting, by processing, you know, something that's really hard for you to think about and just not reacting. That is a communicative way to respond to something difficult. Or you can uh, show your, you know, your love and affection through 
uh, actions like that. That is a way of, there's so many different ways of communicating that we kind of, or journaling or writing, like you don't have to say it. Some people aren't good at speak. I'm terrible at speaking. You're probably no, you're noticing not. that. This <laughs> no, you're like, <laughs> I just ramble. <laughs> no, you're like, mic drop here, mic drop there, <laughs> everywhere, mic drop. <laughs> it's just, this is noticing how you communicate and doing it like wholeheartedly and it will be effective. Like there, you yeah. don't need to overthink how you communicate just find a way that works for you exactly and be okay with it being uncomfortable and be okay with it maybe feeling like eh, what did i just do like let it be yeah. messy and then oh yeah you will realize <laughs> it is mess. the key yeah <laughs> i think we both do so <laughs> all the questions that i said i was going to ask you like we're not getting to but that's okay <laughs> um so what I find really cool though, D, is that like I've known you for a little while and we've never had the conversation about feelings um, of love and relationships. And I'm seeing a totally different side of you today, which I think is beautiful. Not many people get to. Um, it doesn't come up. And I think that's the part of the communication piece that I'm missing. I want to make this I I'm very open about it. I will literally tell anybody that I've practiced open relationships for the last five years and how amazing it's been to me. Um, but the chance to say it in society and the group of people that are standing around, um, I still kind of have to watch it because of the standard of society firefighting St. John's regional fire department. Um, if I say that and the station, for example, like that right. would, that would not be great for me. It, it would, yeah it would be a a sticky point. So like there's still places in society that I don't feel comfortable being my hundred percent authentic self. I will be if the opportunity arises, but I won't naturally uh, be it in certain scenarios, which is uh, something I want to change. But you know what you are, we're having this conversation right now. And Mm -hmm. I think that life is a journey and I think that we're going to continue to grow. So Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, your mission is to keep having these conversations. It can only go up from here, you know, and I think we got to take those baby steps and eventually we'll see the collective change. But I don't know about you, but like we've both been athletes for so long. We're in the world of like toughness, like you did rugby and we both play football Mm -hmm. together and I did the wrestling and all those things in the martial arts. But did you feel that growing up, you felt you couldn't talk about your emotions, but then when you had your transformational breakthrough, we'll call it, then you finally realized that it's safe to talk about those things. Like, were you always an emotional being? Like, did you hide that part of you? I showed that part to my family. I've always been really authentic with my family. I've always been a tough um some people will call me like intimidating and abrasive when you first meet me, but I think that's more so the intimidation of my confidence level in myself. And I've always had confidence, like, thank God, because I don't know how I would have uh, otherwise, but um, yeah, I, I've been an emotional person, but kind of being that rock bottom that I did hit um, during my marriage and my divorce kind of made me realize that like I've been focusing on loving the wrong way for so long that I basically made a promise to never do it to anyone or myself ever again. Wow. 
that the way that I loved that person and how uh, she destroyed me. Uh, basically, not I had to let go of the urge to make someone accountable for their actions, and I had to hold myself accountable for the way that uh, I love someone with a plan. I had a structure. I wanted to be married. At the Back with that plan to, again, the plan, yes. the checklist, oh the scorecards. So I didn't know if we would really dive into this, but like the way that marriage even happened is a pretty crazy story. Yeah, it's people talk, tell me I have to write a book on it. And I honestly might one of these days. I think you should. Um, Did you want to just get yeah. I know we're running. I know you have to go soon, but would you mind giving a little bit of a Coles Notes version of how that happened? Because it doesn't even to. sound real. It's just like when you <laughs> Say the story. I'm like, what? <laughs> Go. All right. Tell us. <laughs> Rapid shot fire of my love life, uh, marriage story. But definitely not my love life. I wouldn't even call that. It was love. I, I did love her. Um, so met uh, in Vegas on my parents' 25th uh, anniversary trip. Uh, I was in hospital. I was released that day. Uh, got a basically a date with this woman. Had a you know wonderful time. Uh, the Vegas love story, you know, fall in love at the bar, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, about a month later, you know, we were doing the whole long distance thing. Got married a year later than that. Um, not so much of a controlling. Like there were some red flags, but I had a plan. So like red flags don't mean anything when you have a plan <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think in a so, lot of people's minds, I think we're just, we're bypassing those red flags and we're oh, like, yeah. nope, that, that's yeah. not on the plan. <laughs> I, I got a schedule. I got a schedule to keep. Um, yeah. So we got uh, married in a whirlwind about, you know, a year, year and a half later. Um, well, you're missing an important part. She was a Vegas showgirl. <laughs> yes. Yes. So she was a model uh, down in Vegas. Uh, she traveled around. So we did a lot of traveling for uh, that. Um, basically about a year into it, you know, there's some sketchy things happen. For example, you know, Flo Rider basically stealing my, uh, my fiance for a night ending up, uh, downtown with Flo Rider. Um, so I got some turmoil, some, some bigger red flags. And, uh, basically it ended up with, you know, two years down the road, I quit my job, uh, my rescue contract at the time and moved to Vegas. We lived down there for a year. Uh, I got physically and emotionally abused for, you know, that entire time and separated from my family and hit my absolute rock bottom. Finally had the the guts to actually just leave and, you know, call it a call it a failure, uh, which was the hardest part for me because marriage did mean so much to me. Right. Um, but that, that was a hard pill to swallow was failing at the at the uh, the marriage thing. But um yeah, there, I, you wouldn't, I don't think it would sound right for me to tell you all the bits and pieces of my love life on this first podcast. We'll save the the meaty stuff maybe for the next one. We'll do a deep dive. Yes, yeah, a deep dive. Because <laughs> I do, I mean, I think it's such that, well, it's a cool story, but it's also a story about rebuilding yourself, which is, um, I think like that's the whole point, unfortunately, of life is to continue to build yourself into a version of you that you're happy with. Mm -hmm. And I think just like you just said, sometimes we're in such a rush to get to the destination that we miss all the reasons why we're on the wrong path, you know, myself included. 
Mm-hmm. So I think Absolutely. it's so important to listen, to actually pay attention. And yes, obviously work hard for your goals because you work your ass off. You're one of the most hardest working people that I know. Um, but it's also working in the right direction, not just working hard because somebody told you this is a good goal or it's a plan that you thought you should follow through with. Yeah. And like, like I kind of said earlier, like imagination is responsible for love. So, you know, my imagination of love was having this perfect life at a very young age. So that plan and that schedule was because of that was my idea of love to be successful in love was to have Right. A family and life at a young age. It's just how I grew up is examples all around me, but I just forced the wrong person into that yeah. position. Yeah. But so much growth has come from that, you know, and I think you are the person you are today. And, you know, I think sometimes these people come into our life to show us what we don't want. It's a hard fucking lesson. Oh yeah. yeah. People <laughs> but, are like, would you take it back? And I say, absolutely not. Like not one single experience of my life would I take back. Maybe the one where I was like diving for dimes and nickels in my couch cushion, trying to uh, keep my house basically to come up with a, you know, search for food for my like money for dog food for my dog at the time. Uh, I was literally, I remember this, it was the day of my grandmother's funeral actually. And I was, didn't tell anyone in the family because I was just after moving home from the turmoil of it all. And I could not tell my parents that I did not have money to feed my dog, let alone me. But I was like a shell. I was losing weight. You know, I couldn't afford anything. I was just diving for dimes and nickels in my couch to just not tell them. So the one thing that I could uh, have done better was to like admit my um, struggle to them a bit sooner because they were so accepting and so ready to help everyone around me. Yeah. It was to ask for help sooner. Yeah. And I think that's a hard one. And yeah, I mean, our listeners will come away with so much from this podcast, but knowing that it's safe to ask for help. And if you need it, like we all need it from time to time and we're Mm -hmm. so quick to give it to the people around us. And we wouldn't think twice about helping the people that we love, but when we need Mm -hmm. it ourselves, it's like, Oh shit, I can't, but you can. And it's going to be the thing that once again is going to start that healing and help you move forward. Yeah, Um, absolutely. One more thing that I do want to quickly talk about before we dive into our rapid fire questions. (laughs) Um, You said at one point during the podcast, like you were very confident in who you are. And I believe now that these are the buzzwords, like people are craving to feel confident and to feel themselves and to be able to do the things that you're doing to just go after who you are. What advice Mm -hmm. would you give our listeners on how to step into that confidence and just be themselves? Don't take confidence so seriously. I think that would probably be the the biggest takeaway. Everyone sees it as this confidence as being successful, as being driven, uh, having the motivation. There's no such thing as motivation to me. It's just determination. You get so um, obsessed with uh, this idea of this confident you that you don't need the motivation to become it you're just it's a it's a determination thing to just live your life every day but not so seriously like everyone everyone views it as I make fun of myself all the time I'm always goofy I'm probably goofy and serious I shouldn't be but like it's just about not 
uh, <laughs> I want to say the scorecard again, like <laughs> confidence isn't a scorecard either. Like it's not about like being a hundred percent confident, like be 40% confident, but like act a hundred percent. Like they, yeah. if you're so confident, people can't deny it. Like there, there's no question of when you see someone so confident, like they're, they don't ask how you became so confident. They're just like, holy shit. Like really confident. And like, <laughs> they don't doubt it. They don't ask questions yeah. about it. And you probably don't even feel it, but yeah, but just don't take it so seriously. Don't try to, and also like, don't try to always be something that you're not, you know, it's a, it's a balance. Cause I don't believe in like saying I'm confident when I'm low when not, yeah. into the ground. Yeah. And I think you're not all like, yeah, you're confident in some of like in most of the things you do, but like there's moments in your day when you're like, fuck, you know, like we all have it. And I think you give me a math equation and I am not confident. (laughs) You can can see this, the life being sucked out of me when you give me a math equation. Right. But like, and I think that's the thing, like people are trying to be that perfection. People are trying to get all the boxes checked on that scorecard. And it's not that it's just showing up as yourself and having the courage and discipline to go after what you want. And then all the confidence comes with that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we just, we just got to just keep showing up. I think that's the key is just keep showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Like definitely like focus on your, your strengths, but like also like be just hungry to learn your weaknesses kind of deal. Like be super yeah. confident in your strengths, but also be humble and be just being like, I don't know shit about that. Like, but like teach me. <laughs> Yes. Cause I think some people have a false identity of what confidence is. They have to pretend they're confident in everything. And then that, you know, that fake it till you make it kind of thing, but you're not going to be confident in everything that you do. And I think it is so important to try things that you're not confident in to keep you humble and to keep you learning too. Cause I think some people reach a certain level of confidence. They're like, well, I can't go outside of this because I may not appear confident, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's like, shag what other people think, just focus on your growth. And each day you're a little bit better than what you were yesterday. And that doesn't mean that you can't love yourself in the moment, but it's like, okay, like for me, I want to be a better, version of myself today than I was yesterday. And that doesn't mean I don't love yesterday, Gina. It just means that I want to continue to grow. Absolutely. Give me both. Yeah. So is there anything else that I know we only have 10 minutes, so I want to make sure that you had everything said that you would like to share before we dive in. That's a trick question. (laughs) like like no because i'm enjoying this but (laughs) next time next time yes i do think there's so like there's so much more of your story and i'm just looking at some of the questions that we said we were going to talk about i just feel you have so much value and so much um education to give our listeners on so many different platforms so i would love to do a second episode where we dive deep into some of the societal problems that you and i can dissect together yeah love it awesome all right so Let's do my favorite part. (laughs) So it's just as it implies rapid fire. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, whatever comes to your mind, have at it. Um, There's some that are a little bit longer that are not rapid fire, but anyway, it is what it is. But my first question I was going to take out, but I was like, no, I'm going to ask her. I don't know if you're going to be able to (laughs) answer this one. I don't know if you're in, if you were into this, but we're going to go for it. Are you ready? Your weaknesses too. I'll just be like, no, next. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You ready? <laughs> yes. Who was your favorite Spice Girl? Oh, I don't even know. Like, I just want to say Sporty because that's the only one I really know. I honestly didn't really watch them. 
Same here. I don't know why I asked that question because the only one I know is sporty. <laughs> no. Ask me who my favorite pussycat doll is and I'll tell you why I'm gay. <laughs> when that button sequel came out of pussycat dolls, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you are a girl. Oh, I love that. Okay. Nachos or tacos? Tacos. And nickname you used to have or still have? I was going to make a gay joke about tacos, but I won't. <laughs> Sorry, what was the next question? Oh, what's that? <laughs> um, a nickname you used to have or still have? Oh, uh, uh, Deej was my old nickname. I don't know why. And Ronnie from Jersey Shore. I also got called a lot. <laughs> and I call you a bunch of names in football, but they don't stay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've been called every name under the sun and every every job I've ever done. Oh, I think I should just call you Ron. Ron, Ron. <laughs> if you could travel back in time, where would you go? Oh. That's a hard one. These are supposed to be rapid fire. Hey, I'm not very rapid. That's okay. This Uh, one's a little bit more of a, you go back and kick flow riders ass. I don't know. (laughs) No, no. Um, I honestly don't know. Um, my parents 25th anniversary party. It was the epitome of everything that I've worked for. My life was, um, just prior to, uh, the big divorce. And it was just a wholesome, a very wholesome moment. Oh, I love that. I do. I'm very close with my parents and seeing yeah. them totally in love that day. was just like, Oh, oof. that is cry that's pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> you're such a good person. I love your heart. Um, so every time I ask this question, people don't know this answer. So anyway, I'm just going to ask it, but who is your favorite Harry Potter character? I should know this because Danielle's such a big fan. Danielle's my partner. Um, you can call a friend. <laughs> Hermione? Yes, I yes. I don't think it's because of the story, but, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. My face is so red from laughing. Um, sunrise or sunset? Uh, sunset. Football or rugby? Rugby. What? Come on, I know. Come on. I knew the answer. I just thought I'd try. What's your order from your favorite restaurant? Like if you were to go, what's your go-to order? Mac and cheese. Ooh, from any restaurant? Like that's your thing? Get stuff. Oh, Get stuff, yeah, mac yeah, and yeah. cheese. That's Hubie-Doo. Ooh. Oh, I just got hungry. What's Scooby-Doo, your favorite you? word? Or do I want to know? Resilience <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually oh. is a word that I always, it's like day-to-day for me. Yeah. I always think of resilience. Same here. I always write actually as one of my affirmations. I am resilient AF is what I always yeah. write. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if you needed to pick me up, what is your go-to song that you would turn on? See, I'm not much of a music uh, gal in okay. terms for like motivation. So what would you do um, if you, would you go pump iron? Is that your thing? Like you need to. Uh, I'd go close to death as close to death as I could that picks me up <laughs> literally the, mo- the most amount of adrenaline I can get and like which is usually you know like a brutal workout or something yeah. where I'm just lying on the floor close to death after would be my, my medicine 
I wish that was my medicine. (laughs) (laughs) I work out and I I usually work out every day, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's not like the thing that I go to if I need to pick me up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like the non-negotiable that I do because it helps me mentally and physically and all the things, but there is a song. uh, I don't even know the name of it. I'm terrible with artists and song names, but it's a ukulele song. It's called over the rainbow. Oh yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Is that the one that's like somewhere? Yes. That's uh, the song that Dwayne and I danced to at our wedding. No way. It is. Yeah. It's, like, it's one I listen to very frequently. It has like a big part in my life from like my past trauma. So like I still revisit oh. that song pretty frequently. Oh, that's a beautiful song. Yeah, um, it's amazing. If you could change your name, what would it be? Wonderpuss. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story behind that, but it's wonderful, which is going to be my drag name soon. <laughs> I love it. Oh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? To be an octopus. An octopus? Honestly, yeah, wonderful are actually octopuses. And it's like the, the highest rank of octopus. It's like a superior octopus that is like beyond capabilities. We don't even understand the capabilities of it yet. I'm going to have, I'm going to text you after this You're and say, what Google was that it. word? Yeah. And I'm going to have to Google it. <laughs> yeah. What was the question? An animal, you said? Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Yeah. I honestly don't. I, I think I am a superhero. That's yeah, the way you that are. I, I don't. Uh, glorify and I also hate the idea of having too much power I don't I don't true. like I don't like the idea of not being human to be able to well, relate what if you could fly and you wouldn't have to pay for like a plane ticket you wouldn't fly I mean yes yes but I, I, I wouldn't wish it on me no, I, I would no. pay big money to fly. Like, I'd be like, yeah, I would never be on earth. I'd be like, see ya. Can you imagine? Like, you'd be running in the football field and all of a sudden you just float above and then like. <laughs> I think I, I did that. I, yeah, you did that already. Red Bull. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Red Bull does have wings. Oh, I'm okay. Sorry. Getting distracted. Texting yeah, or talking? Talking. Oh my God, I hate my phone. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> Morning or night person? Night. Describe yourself in three words. Um, confident, uh, resilient, and open. Beautiful. I would agree with those three. Um, <laughs> if you were stranded on a tropical island and you had all of these essentials with you, what are two things you would want to bring with you? Oh, these are some imaginative questions. I'm not good at these rapid fire. I think too much into it. Uh, two things, Danielle, my partner, good one. She's my best friend. And I want to see my family, but I can't pick either one of them. Um, a journal, a book, a piece of paper and a pen. Nice. Is that two things? I will come on. I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We'll have them wrapped together. (laughs) (laughs) Climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Jump from a plane. Um, if you were really hungry, would you eat a bug? I have definitely eaten bugs before. Yes. <laughs> and not out of hunger, just pure for a laugh. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Talk to animals. I thought you were going to say that. And this yeah. one's a little bit more serious, but what is the best piece of advice you have ever gotten? 
that you wish you knew earlier in life? Um, my mom said this to me after my divorce, uh, when I said, I probably don't know if I could ever love again. And she said, imagine if someone loved you the way that you love them. And that kind of like, has always been something that I've chased. Oh, wow. So, that is good yeah. advice. God, what can your mom say to me? <laughs> oh, lots, lots. Karen is a wealth of just life. I feel like we do need to have the party at the farm. Like we talked about though, like that oh, yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm staring at the farm right now, actually. So that, that will eventually happen. Post-COVID. Oh, I can't wait. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your heart and your story. It's never easy talking about these things. Um, and I really do want to have you on for take two and really dive into some of these things, because I think the more we talk about them and the more we normalize that people are different and we question these norms that we can really make a change. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it was so awesome. I cannot wait for the next one. I can't either. You're so easy <laughs> to talk to. I'm like, there's so many things that you said. I was like, oh, I gotta go deeper on this. God damn yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, ditto. I'm like, no, get back to topic. <laughs> it's awesome. And do you have one last piece of advice for our listeners that maybe could leave a pep in their step as they go about their day? Um, God, there's so many, Gina. You need to prepare me for this. Like, there's so many thoughts going on in my brain. Um, just make sure that you know that any part of your day could be the best part of someone else's. So to just make sure that you're doing the best you can throughout the day because it could make a world of difference to someone else. And even if you can't do your best, just be present with that person, whoever you're with. I love that. Doesn't matter. And that's so true. Sometimes we don't give ourselves that power of, you know, having an impact on the people around us. And it's that, that's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Yeah, no worries. And thank you again. This was super amazing. I seriously can't wait for, for take two. I'm going to be messaging you after. I'm like, okay, yeah, when are we recording? <laughs> okay, so see you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> same time, same place. Um, yeah, so thank you again. Super, super fun. Uh, you're amazing. And thank you for everything that you're doing to change these crazy conversations that are, you know, they're all in the gray area. We need to really ditch this black and white world. So thanks for being yeah, you. <laughs> I totally admire what you're doing too. Thank you so much for having me and uh this is incredible the, the oh. space and the conversations that you're creating is really 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 oh. cool thank you so much and thank you to our listeners i hope you enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune in you like you share you go give d some love um so d where can people find you actually before we go where can people find your journey your wisdom and everything that you bring to this world uh, I kind of stay away from social media, even though I know the world's going that way, but uh, I'm Reese on Instagram, uh, probably never there, but honestly, uh, Islander Athletics, stop by. Um, it's a community space that I am really starting to dive into and uh, expand. And uh, there's a lot of exciting things coming up for that community in the new year. So be sure to uh, just check us out. And if you need a space, um, it's there for you and we're going to create that for you. I love that. I love that. Thank you, friends, for listening to another episode of the Keeping It Real podcast. And remember, keep it fun, keep it kind, and always keep it real. Thanks for spending time with me today. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, feel free to take a screenshot and share this with someone that you think should hear this. 
If this is your very first time listening, I would really appreciate if you push that subscribe button so you can join us for all future episodes. And if you're feeling really generous, I would love for you to leave a five-star review. Be kind, folks. I'm Gina Keeping, and today we have been keeping it real. We'll see you next time.